to wear your crown the rest of the service, okay? That's not required. You can take it off. It's totally okay if you want to. However, your grandchild did give you that crown. No self-respecting grandparent would walk into Burger King and put a crown on themselves. However, if a grandchild put that on them, they would wear it with pride. I'm telling you, it's all about the grandkids. It's all about the grandkids. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm going to transition just a little bit and uh, give us some, some great ideas and great concepts. We're in the middle of a series entitled Interdependence, Relationships Eternal. And the relationship between a grandchild and a, and a, uh, a grandparent is absolutely phenomenal. And we're going to focus on a uh, relationship between parents and children. Um, I want to go back to a, a Deuteronomy passage in the Old Testament. If you've got your Bibles with you, um, turn in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We find God gives commands to his people. God gives commands to his people in what two passages or what two uh, chapters in the Bible. We find it in two different places. We find it in Deuteronomy 5 or 6. Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. So immediately after God gives out the commands for his people, he's, he's guiding them, leading them through the wilderness. He's giving them these commands. He's trying to set them apart. He's trying to make them a nation and a people that's worthwhile. Immediately following those commands, where does he land? He goes directly into the foundation, the core, the crooks of the matter. God knows if he wants to have a strong nation, that he is going to have to raise up a strong family. Because a family provides community and a community provides nation. The strength and stability of a nation revolves around and is, in, is foundational in family. And so he goes directly to family next. I want us to read this passage of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I don't know, did I put... I don't think I did. I didn't write it in. So we're just going to have to go to our Bibles and find it. Did you find it yet? Get familiar with your Bible app. If you don't have one, I suggest you download one and find it so that you can get there easily. Uh, if you brought a paper copy, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to read chapter 1 down through verse 7. And I know that there's a lot of grandparents here. And I know it's really difficult um, to move out of your chair and get to your feet because you're really old. Um, I feel it in my knees today too, so I'm okay. I'm with you. But I would like us all to stand as we read this passage of scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And I'm reading out of the, I believe, NLT, if you want to switch your app so that you can follow along word for word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children, your grandchildren, must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. Verse 4. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. Verse 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's talking. We're listening. Right? Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to celebrate today. One, to honor, uh, to, to give life, to give vigor, to encourage those of, of, of us around here that are grandparents. God, thank you so much for giving us them and allowing them to be a part of our lives and allowing this relationship to happen. Uh, God, you, we know you created it. We know you, you instigated it. You put it all together for us so that we could enjoy life with you. God, I pray that as we dive into uh, more details on how to raise up a family and raise good kids against bad odds, that we will understand some of the things that we need to instill within our children, some, some benefit to them. God, I pray that you'll allow us to have open minds and soft hearts as we look into these things. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This whole premise that God has set up family, this whole idea that God is, thinks family is important is something that I definitely want to, uh, to bring up. The, the, the next place I go when I think about kids, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture when it talks about children, is Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. Did I put that one in, Kate? Hey, I did. Good deal. You can read it on the screen if you want with me. Children are a gift from God. Do you see that? Children are a gift. They, God, would, God gave you these children as a gift. What do you do with a gift? You treasure that gift, right? God has given us children. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. You heard this verse before? Children are like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. God has allowed you to, to be and spend time with these gifts from him. I love the analogy constantly in search of great analogies and the Bible is full of these great analogies and so I can't pass up the opportunity when a child is born when a child is conceived I should say you start to feel it grow within it's like drawing a weapon it's like drawing a weapon it is and God gives you an arrow, right? My quiver's not as full as it should be because I've actually got four right now. But God gives us this opportunity. You don't draw your weapon if you're not prepared to use it. Right, Matt? Anybody knows in law enforcement, you don't draw a weapon unless you intend to use it. There's a lot of folks these days that, that draw or come in contact, conceive children, and then don't do anything with them. 
whether it's abortion or whether it's just dumping them in a street somewhere. Is that me? Is it my battery? My whiskers? I tried to shave this morning. (laughs) Parents, when we draw our arrows, we intend to use them. We commit to the process of putting these children into motion. You drew the cards. It's a shame when a parent has a child and then dumps them on the streets. At Birthline, we counsel young young women, young men, about their commitment to this process of parenting. And abortion is like handing the enemy your weapon. Matt, would you hand your enemy the weapon? Your weapon? Would you hand your enemy your sidearm? No, you wouldn't. Would you hand your a bad guy your... No, you wouldn't. God gives them to you. Therefore, we should use them. It's a real tragedy to see parents not commit to the process, begrudgingly go through life, trudge through it, looking for easy way outs, leaving them at daycare, leaving them at grandma's house. Uh, I know grandma's. We love it, but... Uh, please understand, and you have a role. Grandma's has a role. Grandma, grandparents have roles, and it's a beautiful thing, but it's not the same as a parent. Parents, we need to commit to this process. It's hard work. It's probably the most difficult task you'll ever take on. Why does God give parents children? Because that's what parents were made for. The purpose, your one sole purpose in life was to raise those children and is to raise those children. First Kings chapter 1 and verse 6, look at it with me. It says, King David had a little bit of a problem. It says, now his father, who's he talking about? Well, it's Adonijah, it's the fourth child, right? The first one tried to take over the throne, ended up dead. The second one, and uh, actually the second one ended up dead too. The third and the fourth fought for the crown for a while, and the fourth one ended up and killed the third one, and the fourth one, it was a big, huge mess. But this is talking about the fourth one. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Even by asking a simple question, why are you doing that? You know parents like that? I hope not. I hope we're not parents like that. Parents, it's your job to interfere with the lives. It's your job to interfere with the lives of the little ones. Did you hear me? It's your job to interfere in the lives of your little ones. They will have their own will. They will have their own desires. It's your job to commit to this process of conforming that will to that of God's. If we're going to get rid of our kids, if we're going to get rid of them properly, if I'm going to launch them into eternity, I'm going to need to do something right. I'm going to need to commit to this process. I'm going to need to draw my weapon. Secondly, I'm going to need to aim I'm going to need to give them direction. Parents, we have to provide the direction. If we don't, the world will. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Point your kids in the direction, in the right direction, and when they are old, they won't depart from it or they won't be lost. 1 Samuel verse three, uh, chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, I have warned him that the judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God. And he hasn't what? He hasn't disciplined them. We have to provide direction. Grandparents, you probably remember providing direction to your children. And because you're sitting with them, maybe, with them in church this morning, maybe you did provide some direction. And that's a fantastic thing. Absolutely beautiful thing. Proverbs 19 verse 18 says, Discipline your children when there is hope. Otherwise, 
you will ruin their lives. We've got to provide direction. Verse thir- chapter 13 and verse 24 of Proverbs also says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Provide that direction. It's not fun. Parents, it's not fun to provide direction. It's not fun to interfere into that child's life. But you know what? That's what God asks us to do. He asks us to draw our our weapons. And he asks us to provide direction. He asks us to aim in a certain direction. And that direction is not just all over the place. You wouldn't want me swinging this thing all over the place. Especially after I drew it back. Once we draw, we have to provide that direction. It's important to lead them in the direction that they need to go. Thirdly, we need to motivate. We need to encourage more than we do discourage. Give that arrow what it takes to make it where it's going. I know that this, I think it's probably 65, 67 pounds, something like that. I know that this 67 pound boat will make it from here to that target that's less than 10 yards away. I know for a fact that it will. I've given it enough power, enough motivation, enough encouragement to make it there. What if I only pull it back to right there? What's going to happen? It's not going to make it, is it? I have to put tension on this string. There is tension that sometimes builds within a home in order to provide the motivation and encouragement. There needs to be expectations at home so that the the motivation can be there. We want to send them not just to first grade, not just to kindergarten, not just to to high school, not just to their favorite sport. We need to send them all the way through life to their final destination, and that is eternity in heaven. That's our goal. That's where we're headed. And I intend to motivate and encourage more than discourage. I intend to encourage them to the point that they will make it to that final destination. We only have a short amount of time with our children, from 0 to 18 approximately. That first five years is extremely critical. And then every year after that builds on what you've gotten established. When you draw them back, when you take aim, when you provide that direction, when you motivate and you put tension on that string and you provide those expectations... The last one is you release. In order to get rid of your kids, you've got to release. You've got to let them go. In archery, the release is extremely critical. Not just this fancy tool that I have to release, but the actual release. Allowing them to go. I can't hold them in this quiver and in this bow all their lives. It will not get anything accomplished. They're going to be stuck. And there's parents that try. They'll release and then they'll reach out and grab that arrow before it goes too far and pull it back. Wait a second. I don't think you're ready. We have to release. I've given, been given these four kids, these four arrows for a short time. I've been given these four kids in this time so that I can impact their lives for the kingdom. To commit to the process, to draw them as weapons, to aim and provide direction, to put tension on the string with expectations and encouragement, and then release well. God has given me these opportunities. I pray it often. God, thank you for giving me your children. They're not mine forever. 
they're only mine for a short time and then I have to release them. God, thank you for that one and that one and that one. Not that one so much today, but because he didn't really give me much to be thankful for today, but thank you for each and every one. They are his, only our responsibility for a little while. We need to draw our weapons. We need to put them in the, in the, in the, relief, or in the rest and we need to give them direction. We need to put tension on that string. We need to motivate them to become the people that they want to be. And then we need to release. We've got to release. We've got to let them go. And once we do, they will travel down life's road in the way that God wants them to. We've done our job. We've done everything that we need to to get rid of our kids. Now, in order to do that, in order to allow that, there's some things that kids need to have. There's four things that kids need to have, and that's what we're going to end with today. Number one, which is the most critical, is an example to follow. This is the most critical. Your example is the most critical part, the most critical component in the job. There is no substitution for you. Every child needs a mom and a dad. Oh, that's funny. Because that's exactly what God provides every child. God gives every child a mom and a dad. That's the way he designed it. A mom and a dad is how a child learns the nature and characteristics of God. The most important component for a child is for a mom and a dad to be committed to, first of all, one another, and secondly, to God. Don't set aside your relationship with each other to raise your children. Don't set aside your relationship with God to raise your children. That's going to end poorly. Your kids need you to be dedicated to each other. And they need you to be dedicated to God first and foremost. Your children will follow suit. There's no substitution for that. Every other way has been tried. It doesn't work as well. The next passage of scripture I want to look at is in the book of Joshua and and. God gave the people the commands and then he set up this, this in Deuteronomy 6, this idea of that we need to share these precepts and concepts and ideas with our children. And then Moses led the people through the land of Israel or through the wilderness and then promised them, gave them a promised land and Joshua enters the promised land. Look at what Joshua does. Then Joshua said to the people, now respect the Lord and serve him fully and sincerely. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshiped on the other side of the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if you don't want to serve the Lord, you must choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. You may serve the gods of your ancestors' worship when they lived on the other side of the Euphrates. Or you may serve the gods of the Amorites who lived in, in this land. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made a, a bold statement. He gave them the options. He said, here's, here's, here it is. You can do whatever you want. I, I, would, I would highly recommend serving God. This is the way that it's a good thing. Or you can go back and serve those other gods. That, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua got this idea that children need an example to follow. He decided to do what it takes to interfere in the life of his children and teach them to serve the Lord. Are you ready? I've got a couple of things. It's 
some hot buttons that I want to share with you next. Parents, never discipline your kids with church. Either by grounding them from it or, or making church a punishment. If you misbehave, you have to go to church. No. If you misbehave, you can't go to church. No. Don't use church as a form of discipline. Can't do it. It's not going to end well. We need to focus more on G-O-D than M-V-P or G-P-A. Did you hear what I said? We need to focus more on God, G-O-D, than MVP, most, what does that stand for? MVP, most valuable player. I, I was thinking MPV, and I was trying to switch the letters around. It's not, not going to work. Or GPA. We're not talking about, we're not trying to get our kids to be the best baseball player, the best softball player, the best, the best tracker, the best cross country, the best. We're not trying to get them the best grades, get them in the best college, get them in the first things first. We've got to focus on God. It has to be the focus. Do you want your kid to be known as the most generous in the school or the valedictorian? Would you rather them known as a, be known as a strong Christian with great morals and values or the varsity starter? I'm sorry, but I think we've got our priorities mixed up in some cases. I think we're focused more on education and more on sporting abilities than we are on God and putting God first place. I think we talk to our kids far more about their grades and their sports and activities at school than we do about their relationship with God. Parents and grandparents, things have to change. We are teaching our kids that worldly things are more important than God and His church. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Joshua made the statement and he, made, he stuck to it. Parents, as long as your children are under your roof, they should be in church. Even children that don't have my last name living under my roof live by this rule. Don't they, Caitlin? High school senior prom, Cameron and her friends get all dressed up on a Saturday night, and they decide to rent a limo and go out for a nice dinner. Maybe they even stop out and, uh, at the festivities and get their picture taken with their, with their crushes. Isn't that what they call them these days? Crushes? They go dating, and they do they? No, they never go out on a date, but they're dating. I don't get it, but that's fine. So they get pictures taken with their crushes. I'm not too concerned about all the details. I'm not too concerned about really, I mean, I am, but I'm not. I'm not really all that concerned about all the, uh, you know, who's with you, where are you going, where are you stopping. Every five seconds I want to report about where you're at. But the next morning, Sunday morning, during that first song, Wilted Corsage or Not, the same prom dress on or not, you better be in that church service before that first song starts. Either that or you've decided to move out that same day. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is the most important. We will be here. Well, that's just harsh. You shouldn't. You should just let them have a relationship with God and just want to be here rather than make them be here. Flip it around for a second. 
They say, well, it's, it's really a kid's choice about the matter. And really, 14, 15, 16, they, they ought to be able to choose. And what if he decided to start doing meth? And he started doing methamphetamine. And, and you, you just don't want to offend him. So, so you just let him choose. Is that the way you would go? I don't think so. Their frontal lobes are not fully developed yet. Ladies and gentlemen, their frontal lobes don't develop until they're age 25. How many are under 25 here today? Raise your hand if you're under 25. Oh, come on. There's going to be more than that. Justin raises his hand. <laughs> their frontal lobes just not, just not developed. And that's ridiculous to even think about. Drugs can't, can only mess up. Drugs can only mess up this life. God's words for all eternity. Do you really love your children? Once again, parents, it's your job to interfere in the lives of your children. I hope you don't have to force your kids to be here. But you know what? By forcing your kids to be here, at least they're going to be here, be, be somewhere where it's worthwhile. Caitlin's still here because probably because I said that, that was the rule at my house. And there was a lot of other things that went along with that. But that was a big piece of it. Even though they may think they know better, it's very important that we continue to impress on them. Interfere in their lives. Listen to this statistic. Interviewing young adults, they interviewed several thousand, I think there was 12,000 in this, in this um, case study. Looking back on their parents' faith, when both parents are faithful and active in the local congregation, both parents faithful, not just to each other, but to God, and active in the local congregation. 93% of those young adults caught their parents' faith and values that their parents lived by. 93%. That's impressive. That is encouraging. If we can be faithful and be active in the local congregation, our children will catch those values. And it doesn't say that they're going to belong to the same congregation and they're going to do everything just the way you want them to. Sometimes when you release that arrow, it does some funny things on the way there. Right? I wish I could show you some slow motion video of how an arrow flies out of a 67-pound bow. It does some funny things. Kids may do some funny things, but they're going to land where they need to. When one parent is active, and I know there's, there's some that have raised their kids, raised their children by themselves. When one parent is active and faithful in the local congregation, 73% will catch your faith. That's encouraging. Single parents, you can do this. You can make it happen. 73%. When both parents are only partially active, come to Sunday morning, but don't really participate the rest, rest of the week, it's like flipping a coin. It's about 53%. 53% hold on to those, those ideas and those great morals. When both parents are just hit and miss with services, here once in a while, you know, unless there's something else more important, 6% catch your faith if you're only hit and miss. We have an ability to make an impact it's the most important, the most critical that we give our kids an example to follow. Second, we need to give them a home to run to, not a home to run from. A home to run to. Proverbs 14, 26 says, The fear of God builds up confidence and makes a world safe for your children. 
provide a home to run to. Ask yourself, is my home, home a storm or is it security? You'll find that when your home is security, it won't just have your family in it, but it'll have, it'll have all your friends' families and all of your friends, uh, all of your children's friends and their families at your house too. Because you know what? It's security. They love it. Strangers from California end up there. Mark chapter 3 and verse 24 and 25 says, A kingdom that is divided cannot continue. Even a family that is divided against itself won't make it. There has to be some serenity. It has to be a home to run to, not to run from. Don't just talk to them. Talk with them. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. When you ask the kids... They say, my parents just don't understand. How come? Well, I look at it this way. You can pay now or you can pay later. In other words, if you don't choose to spend time with them now, don't expect them to be able to talk to them later. Well, they just, they just don't talk right now. They just don't. Yeah, they do. They talk in, in their level and on their level. Kids need that attention can't sit down and listen to what happened on the playground when she's eight. Don't expect her to come and talk to you with what happened in her life when she's 18. Parents, we need to, we need to give them a home to run to. Thirdly, we need to give them priority over our schedule. Did you hear me? Priority over our schedule. Don't just give them a slot in the schedule. Give them priority over the schedule. This is going to cost you. I lose reputation for this one. Uh, there's times when some of you think I'm a jerk. Because I don't answer my phone. Well, you know what? It's probably because I'm at a cross-country meet. Or I'm hanging out in the mountains at Outdoor Ed with Colton. Or I'm on a date with Castle. There's going to be times when you, your career is put aside. Your, your important meetings are set aside and scheduled for another time. So that you can spend time with your kids. children take priority over your schedule. Kids spell time, or kids spell love, rather, T-I-M-E. That's how kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Spend some time with your kids. And last but not least, kids need to be given the benefit of the doubt. Focus on who they will become, not who they are. Well, they just dress funny, and they just, and they, they smell funny, and, and they like, they have stuff on their nails, and they have stuff in their hair, and they, they just dress weird, and they, just weird. I just don't even want to, I don't even know who they are anymore. It's not about who they are. It's who they're going to become. That stuff is all usually phases. They go through that phase and then they move on. Love them through it. Give them the benefit of the doubt. We have time. Let's do this activity. I need everyone over the age of 20, excuse me, over the age, is it a battery? Is it? Okay. I don't have one in my pocket this time. It's a double A.
Okay, we can do this activity without a mic. All right, if you're over the age of 20, I want you to stand up. This is for the benefit of all the young people in the room, okay? All you young people, everybody under 20, I want you to watch this, okay? Watch this. I want to remind all of you adults that we are in church and God is watching. Don't lie. I want you to sit down as, as we answer these questions, okay? Number one, if you were ever sent home or suspended due to a disciplinary action, you did something and were sent home or suspended because of it, I want you to sit down. See that? See that? It's not the end of the world. I'm not telling you kids to go out and just do something stupid just so you can be like mom. You got that? Number two. Were you ever called to the principal's office for discipline? Called to the principal's office for discipline. Yep, I'm going to be sitting down right now. That'd be me. I won't tell you. Well, okay, I will tell you what I did. We were out, we were out in archery, right? We had these little flimsy bows. And, we went, and it would go about 10 yards. So one day I brought my compound bow. And my friend Bo, Bomberato, he dared me to shoot one straight up in the air with my compound bow. Frontal lobe not fully developed, right? Ooh, that was cool. Except Mr. Otterstetter saw it come down. Bo, get to the principal's office right now! Because he knew I didn't do it, because I don't do things like that, except for that time. Bo got to the principal's office, and um, he was going to get suspended for like three weeks, because this was like fourth or fifth time that he'd gotten in trouble. So he said, you know what, it really wasn't me, it was Lloyd. (laughs) Mr. Danielson said, no it wasn't, quit lying to me. No, it really was. So, I was in reading class. Lloyd, could you please come to the office? Yep, so I'm sitting now. Number three, did you ever use any amount of drugs or alcohol as a teenager? Any amount? Of drugs or alcohol as a teenager. Please sit down. Number four. Did you ever make a bad choice in a dating relationship? Either who you dated or something you did while you were dating them. I applaud those who are standing up. They're either not quite truthful or they've lost their mind to the point they can't remember. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think it's great. How about this one? Did you ever, ever deliberately disobey your parents even though they, you knew that they, would get, they were going to get angry? Disobey your parents? <laughs> Guess what, kids? Guess what? Guess what? Children, kids, we've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. We were all kids once, too. Some of us a lot better than others, right? Because there was, there was some standing up still. <laughs> there was some better than others. But we all failed. We all fell short. We all went that, down that road. Okay? We did that. It was absolutely... We've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Give your kids a break. Allow them to fail. But just know that when you launch, you're launching them all the way into eternity. Remember, grandparents, 
and parents, your number one asset is prayer. There's so many times when you run up against a problem or a situation in life and you just don't know what to do. That's when you use that most important asset. And that asset is prayer. Go to God in prayer. Allow him to fill in the gaps. Because there's going to be some. We're all, we're all human. We're all going to fail. Some of us, it seems like, man, I, it seems like I just can't get it right. I try so many times to, to interact with them and get them to, to pull out of their shell and talk to me about what they're, what they're going through. Sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't seem to work. How am I failing? That's when I go to prayer. You don't have to wait till then, though. You can start there. Start there. Parents, I want to challenge you. Grandparents, I want to challenge you to start there. Give them an example. Give them something to, something to, to uh, follow. Uh, give them some priority in your schedule. Give them a home to run to, not to run from. And give them the benefit of the doubt. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. And um, uh, we do have some discussion groups that we'll break up into in just a few minutes. And the uh, kids can actually go to class. We've got uh, probably 20 minutes or so that we can still make it to class and uh, have a good time there.